It's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. Hello again, everybody. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, and this is Monster Mondays, presented to you by Film Seizure. You can catch new episodes of Film Seizure with myself and Jason Oliver on Wednesdays, but Mondays are for me to talk about monster movies. Godzilla Month may be at its conclusion as it pertains to the calendar in the month of May, the whole the whole month that we've dedicated to the big giant monster that is Godzilla. But the whole reason for this entire theme is only a few more days away, which means we still have some business to take care of. This week's Monster Mondays is all about the 2014 version of Godzilla. This version of Big G actually marks the King of Monsters' 60th anniversary when it was released. While it is the second attempt at Americanized version of one of Japan's greatest pop culture icons, it's far superior to the version most Godzilla fans don't even want to count, mention, or even think about. And you can most certainly put me in as one of those guys who can't be bothered to give that other one a moment's thought. So we're not. This version of Godzilla is very serious and handles a lot of themes and ideas in play from the Godzilla movies over the past 20 to 30 years. Mentioned during last week's Godzilla feature, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, Godzilla is treated a little bit more of a natural force or something to be reckoned with beyond its sci-fi creation. He's mostly seen as an apex predator and the absolute tippy-top of the food chain in this movie. However, there is one idea that has carried over from the films of the later 60s and early 70s that I will absolutely discuss as one of my three likes later in this episode. This movie takes place technically in three different time frames. At the beginning, there is some attempt to kill some sort of creature uh, that turns out to be Godzilla with a nuclear bomb. Uh, this was in 1954 and kind of nicely tips the hat at the original date of the original movie. Then in 1999, there is a discovery in the Philippines by members of the clandestine group Monarch who is studying the existence of giant monsters. They find a couple of giant spores along with a, a skeleton of a humongous creature. One of the spores has opened and leaves a trail out of the cave that they're in and out into the sea. Meanwhile, in the same time frame, in Japan, we meet Joe Brody, who's played by Brian Cranston, and his wife Sandra. Joe and Sandra work at the uh, Janjira nuclear facility, and a tremor breaches the reactor and Sandra is killed in the eventual collapse of the reactor itself. The third time frame is the present time frame, 2014. Joe and Sandra's son, Ford, uh, is with the U.S. Naval, uh, or the U.S. Navy, I should say, and is an explosive ordnance disposal officer. And he has a wife and son of his own in San Francisco. He learns that his troubled father has gotten into a little bit of trouble with the local Japanese authorities, and so he goes out there and learns that... Uh, there's more to the supposed radiation-poisoned area around Janjira. In fact, there isn't any radiation at all. Uh, he and his father go to the where the reactor was and where the nuclear plant was, 
and discovers that there is a giant cocoon that is feeding off the radiation there. It hatches, and a giant flying creature takes off into the night. Joe is killed, and Ford is accompanied by two scientists, Sarazawa, which should be a pretty familiar name to a lot of Japanese uh, Godzilla movie lovers, and uh, another scientist named Graham. And they're taken to a ship and is debriefed about what the creature is. They call it a muto, which is short for Massive Unidentified Terrestrial Organism. Now Ford is part of a team hunting the Muto, but they are soon met by another creature when the Muto starts messing stuff up in Hawaii. Oh yeah, that's Godzilla. When the Muto hatched, it awoke its natural predator, an alpha unlike anything the world has ever seen. And Sarazawa gives the history of the creature and suggests that they just allow Godzilla to get rid of their Muto problem. Well, in so many words. Eventually, the Jangira Muto and a second that hatched uh, near Las Vegas, and actually I think they, they even say it's, uh, it's Area 51, or it's made, the, made you think that it's Area 51. And uh, now they're kind of heading towards the same path and to end up in San Francisco where the two Mutos are going to lay a bunch of eggs and create a big old problem for everybody who lives on earth now one giant monster showdown later um in hawaii the the two mutos are heading across the pacific and across the western united states to meet in san francisco with godzilla hot on their trail Uh, as it turns out godzilla is victorious and unconscious in san francisco believed dead the citizens of the of the city are surprised, and maybe even pleasantly so, uh, to see that he has awoken and is headed back to the ocean to maybe be seen again when he is most needed. So with that, let's get to my three things that I like about 2014's Godzilla. First, I really, really like the attention given to the Japanese origins of the character. Unlike the shitty one from the 90s, This Godzilla has a slightly different and updated look, but he still is recognizable as Godzilla. They are able to uh, make him a CGI character as opposed to a guy in a rubber suit, but it still kind of looks and feels like it could be a guy in the suit. The proportions are still somewhat human. Additionally, like one one of the Godzilla movies from Japan, they reserve exactly how much you see him. I know this is something that many people who went and saw this kind of bemoaned, but it actually is very much in line with many of the older Godzilla movies. You are spending much more time with the characters than you are with the monsters. If you do all monster all the time, uh, you're going to swing the needle a little bit too far to the other side. And while that was a cost prohibitive thing to do in the older movies, the later Toho productions did more with how the monsters and and tragedies of such a thing would affect people and not so much focus mostly on the monster part of the story. It's the it's the monstrous things that are happening to the people that becomes most important. It at least tried to do something more in line with how the Japanese productions were here in this 2014 version. 
Second, the final battle between the Mutos and Godzilla is what you came to see in this movie. I mean, I'm sorry, San Francisco. I realize you're utterly destroyed and junk, but goddamn, if your city is going to get destroyed, it should involve three giant monsters. So you think things are going to not be so great for Big G. He's getting teamed up on by the male Muto and the much larger female. And not only that, but the female is especially pissed off because all her eggs were blown up by Ford and the other military dudes. But oh yeah, there's another thing that Godzilla has. Something you don't always expect to see in a modern update of the creature. Godzilla has that atomic breath and he starts blasting them. Uh, but up to that point, I had never seen any Godzilla movie go above and beyond with the atomic breath stuff like this one did. Uh, in the grand finale, it seems as though Godzilla has taken care of the Mutos, uh, but just as Ford is about to escape with a nuclear bomb to prevent it from going off in San Francisco, the female returns and seems especially pissed off that Ford blew up her baby. So Godzilla comes back, grabs her by the fucking face, holds open her mouth, and fires his atomic breath down her throat until her goddamn head falls off. People were legitimately cheering in the theater on opening night when I saw the movie. It was awesome. Lastly, as I mentioned before, the 2014 movie did a good job of treating Godzilla like a force of nature. He's not something that can be contained or necessarily reasoned with. You're kind of living in his world. In the 90s and early 2000s, Godzilla was a villain, a lumbering machine of utter chaos and murder, threatening our safety and... Uh, the world that we created for ourselves. However, in the late 60s and early 70s, Godzilla was a hero. And he had this personality. He kind of was kind of a champion and at times seemed to almost be used as a champion for like, you know, things that, uh, topics like, you know, preservation and, and, and being good to the earth and so forth. Uh, which is kind of funny because he's he's a monster created by n nuclear radiation. Um, it, it's it's kind of interesting how they treated him as that hero, as that proponent for environmental causes. At times, it's it's just it's kind of interesting that they did that. Now, at the end of this movie, Godzilla is cheered by the survivors for saving what people could be saved from the giant scary bugs. And when he's shown as rising back up and ready to set back out into the ocean, the live news feed gives him the chyron of the king of the monsters and a celebratory nod to the greatest movie monster that ever was. Uh, it was a perfect way to end on a high note despite all the destruction and likely death. It kind of helps r remind you that, you know, this is, a, this is just a movie. It's not... You know, yes, a lot of people died, but you can still cheer the monster who killed the scary bugs. Uh, it was a way for me to reconnect with the way that I remember Godzilla best as a young kid watching monster movies from Japan on Saturday afternoons on Channel 4. So Godzilla was the hero again. Now, we still have one more movie before we can really put Big G to bed for a little while, don't we? Yeah, I mean, in just a few days... Godzilla will be up against his old foes King Ghidorah and Rodan once more, and he'll also be joined again by Mothra in Godzilla King of the Monsters, and I think it's best for me to go ahead and cover that too. I mean, why not? I had said during the first episode of this Godzilla month that I was going to talk about 
Mothra versus Godzilla and four other movies. So guess what that fourth movie is? It's going to be our new one. So Monsters is the name of this weekly Monday game. And since Godzilla has been the star of the entire month of May, let's just cover the new movie. Let's just get it out there. We'll talk a little bit more about that. So join me in one week and I'll talk about the latest big screen adventure of the king of the monsters, a hero to you and me, and the guy who's number one in all of our hearts, Big G himself, Godzilla. So that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. Until next week, see you later, and don't forget to check out new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday and a new installment of Monster Mondays each Monday on FilmSeizure.com. Also, don't forget to check out new posts at my website, bmovieanima.com, each and every Friday. (laughs) 